The final frontier begins. This is about saving the future of humanity. This is a huge victory for the good guys. You've never seen Voyager. Commitment to this course of action is not emotional. Johnny, beam us up. Welcome to another episode of Beam Me Up, a Star Trek podcast. I am Brent Allen. I've seen every episode of Star Trek 47 times. I'm Matt Sonnenberg, and this is my first time through the series. And this is the show where we are on a mission to introduce people to the Star Trek universe by watching the most important episodes, dealing with the lore, the history, and honestly, Matt, the timeless message that is Star Trek. And figuring out when the heck Archer is going to say the final frontier begins. (laughs) I've been waiting four seasons for this man. Four seasons. Good thing we skipped a season. Otherwise, it would have taken a whole lot longer to get there. (laughs) We didn't skip it all together. We watched that one episode. We watched one episode. You told me you were skipping it, and then you told me to watch an episode. Yeah, yeah. it was weird. Anyway. Well, because that episode didn't have to do with that thing. It had to do with this thing. And- I understand. I understand, man. But if if you want to see me glaring at Brent, if you want to see me overreact to things in person, if you want to see the facial expressions Brent gives me and how many times he rolls his eyes at me over the course of these past four seasons or the past three years that we've been doing this show, head on over to YouTube. Or you can go to beamyuppod.com, click on the YouTube icon in the upper right-hand corner. It'll take you right there. That's that's right where you want to be. And you get to see behind the scenes. You get to see everything that's going on, not just listen to it. You get to see everything. And that's going to be a little bit extra for you. You get to see it, Matt. You can see it. I like it. I like it. Today's episodes are from season four of Star Trek Enterprise titled Demons and Terra Prime, or as I like to call them, the series finale of Star Trek Enterprise. In case you guys didn't watch these episodes first, a xenophobic Earth-based group called Terra Prime has taken DNA from Trip and T'Pol to create the first Vulcan-human hybrid in an attempt to show just how dangerous it can be to allow humans and aliens to intermingle. Setting off Archer and crew on a mission to rescue Trip, T'Pol, the baby, and stop Terra Prime all against the backdrop of a conference of aliens on Earth that is clearly leading towards the Federation. Now, Matt, we're going to get into everything having to do with this episode. You've watched it now for the very first time. I've got a bunch of character actor spotlights to get through today. Eh, I got Mm -hmm. a few, but I got some big ones. But before we get into all of that, give us just sort of your overall thoughts. You, You said something right before we hit record that I thought was very, very interesting about how this episode feels to you. What'd you think of these two episodes, Demons and Terra Prime? What did I tell you? You said this feels like the end, but you know, we still have a couple of episodes left after this one. You said this oh, feels yeah. like the end. Okay. 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 So overall, we're still kind of on this downward turn from these huge action-packed episode trilogies that mm-hmm. we had. Um, things are definitely still on uh, on that slower course as things are winding down. We're really getting to the end here. And this episode in particular kind of felt like the end because like we've been talking about this whole time. It's about getting to the Federation, right? Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what they did in this episode. You, you hinted at that, like they're, they're having this conference. They, I mean, they originally wanted to get this charter done in like six weeks. Now they're like, ah, oh, it might take a few years, but we'll get there. And it's, I mean, obviously we know on the outside now that they just kind of had to rush this. Mm-hmm. This was probably where they were heading at the end of season seven or whatever, mm-hmm. but they had to push this out and it, it just kind of feels 
like it's coming to an end, even though, I mean, you, you kind of told me this was a season finale or series finale. And like, don't worry about that episode that comes after this. And like, oh, oh, okay, sure. If you say so, I, I have to trust you at this point. Like, I, is this just an epilogue type of thing? What was it? Uh, uh, an, an, an episode they added and aired three years later and just tacked it on to season four? Or like, I don't know what's going on with that yet. I have no clue. You told me to ignore it, so I did. But I mean, th- th- this really feels like we're wrapping up and, and we have just a couple episodes of the podcast left. And so like, I don't even know if we're planning on watching that last episode. I think you said we have a movie left. So we're, uh, we're really at the end and everything just kind of like, th- there's almost like a weight lift off my shoulders mm. in a sense, like just sit back, relax. And we did it. Enjoy the end of the ride. This is, this is, I would say this is that part of the roller coaster where this is the last turn mm-hmm. that you've hit. And now you're just sort of like cruising in around the corner back into the station, yeah. but you're still out on the track. Yes. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're not back in just yet. You're still out on the track. And you know, you, you mentioned we only have two episodes left of the podcast and we wrap production on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about that just for a moment, because some people out there might be like, wait, what? So uh, Matt and I've had some lengthy discussions about this and about how we wanted to do this. When, when I first pitched the show to you, Matt, I only ever intended to get up to this spot. Now, now let's be clear here too. You first pitched this show to me like four or five years ago. Right, right, right. And since then, this whole era of new Trek has sprung up mm-hmm. uh, in the midst of this us doing wasn't this. wasn't a thing when we first even started talking about like right. that Trek didn't exist. Right, right. And a lot of that Trek, like modern day television, is so incredibly serialized. There is no way we could do this format of this show with yep. new track. I mean, it's exactly why we had to skip the entire season three of Enterprise. Yeah. Because it was too serial. You just can't do that. And, you know, it was one of those that we said, all right, Matt, what do you always say? What's the goal of the show? The goal of the show has always been to beam you up into the fandom. That's why it's the name of the show. And it, it and we talked about that because it seems kind of like an easy, you know, Star Trek podcast name, but yeah. it really had that that feel to it. And We'll talk about this in a couple of weeks, but hopefully we've hit that spot. But this is the ending point. This is where we decided we're going to we're going to get off. And, you know, I I would tell everybody and we'll say this again later. um, Don't unsubscribe from the show because Matt is here in a couple of weeks. He's going to be free to watch everything. And as he watches that almost kind of like we do for extra viewings for our Patreon page, um, you know, we might come back and do an episode here and there just sort of as updates down the road of what's going on with the new stuff that Matt's watching. Or if Matt goes back and decides he wants to watch the whole of next generation from start to finish, maybe we talk about that, like whatever. So there is still, I would say possibly more to come. It just won't be the weekly uh, or even biweekly or sometimes monthly, depending (laughs) on how much Brent has his stuff together. Uh, it, it won't be with that kind of regularity. So the the show of the goal here will have been met in just two weeks. We're going to talk about what we'll watch next week and what we'll watch in that final week over there. And there's a reason why I'm ending with this specific movie. There's a, there's a big reason why, and we'll talk about that when we get there. But let's talk about these episodes, this specific, the reason we're here today, mm-hmm. Demons and Terra Prime. I think this is a great set of episodes. In no way, though, I, I don't know if you can read my notes here, Matt. In no way does this set of episodes feel like it belongs right here. I said, this feels to me more like a story that they had put, planned for three more seasons down the road when they could have built up to this. 
Yeah. The it, building of Terra Prime would have been it, several it seasons. absolutely and, feels rushed. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, I mean, I think we discussed this last week. They they really had the news. It's like, okay, we need, it, we're canceled. We have to end the show now. Mm-hmm. Like, they basically have to end the show in like four or five episodes. And mm-hmm. like, not just that, not just the season, but the entire show, you have to wrap it up in like four or five episodes. Yeah. Like, um, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, think, think about how long they've spent developing Shran and Archer and the Andorians mm-hmm. through this particular series. But look at what they've just done in the last couple of episodes here on season four. They've completely retooled the Vulcans. Yeah. They've really just introduced us to the Tellarites. Now there's a handful of times we've met Tellarites before now, but never to a spot where we've really gotten to know them as a people group and never mm-hmm. where they've really interacted on a political level with us. So you've got to believe that the episode, the, the season plans moving forward really would have dealt with these four races specifically really coming together and not just well, okay, time I mean, to talk. Like definitely those four and maybe the other ones that were at this conference. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it drawn because I, I had some questions like, wait, who's that? Guy? Who are those like, guys? I don't remember. Yeah. And they, they, they gave us a name eventually, but I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, okay. I guess like they weren't, they back, like they seem very hesitant, right? Mm-hmm. Not, not quite as on board. And it's like, okay. So, you know, they, they tried to get more people involved, but only these four could agree to everything. So I have the same questions. I have the same yeah. questions. So like, why was it only the four? What happened to these other guys? Cause they clearly were there. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, that's kind of really where we are. I hope you get the impression at the end of this, they weren't actually signing the Federation charter as much as they were agreeing to the principles of it or something like that. You know, they were setting in, in motion the political side of it and making those things come together. Uh, although well, I really yeah, think they could have just I mean, full on I signed think, it. I think they ultimately like grand plan that they, they didn't know it was the Federation charter, but that's kind of what they had yes, in mind. Exactly. And it's just like, it's going to take them longer to get there now mm-hmm. and, and work out all those details and, mm-hmm. and that type of thing. Um, so the, I mean, the, what, they, what, what did we have? The articles of confederation before we got the constitution, like sure. it's sort of that step piece. But, but like the, the, the minister specifically referred to it as a charter. And mm-hmm. once again, I think that was the prequel doing its job and hinting at, Hey, you know, this federation charter we have that yeah, we're, we're, we're building a charter now intent. Uh-huh. Exactly. Exactly. All right, Matt got a couple character actor spotlights for you. If you'd like for me to hit those. Yes, please. All right, well, let's talk about a fun one first. Colonel Green in this episode. I know you're trying to go, who is Colonel Green? Did we actually see him? Yeah. Oh, no, he was on, he was on TV. He was on okay. the screen. Yep, yep, yep. 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 Uh, he's played by a guy named Steve Rankin. Now, Trek folks have seen Steve three other times before now, but always under heavy makeup, so you'd never recognize him. Sure. You wouldn't recognize him from anywhere else. But the reason I bring him up here, Matt, you may remember me, or actually you probably don't remember me talking about this, but I know I definitely have. Yep. There is a Star Trek-themed blues band called the Enterprise Blues Band. This is a group that usually performs at conventions. It's usually made up of secondary characters and their actors or the secondary actors playing their characters. Other members of this group include Admiral Forrest, also known as Von Armstrong. Uh, It includes Tom Paris's dad, Richard Hurd, includes Damar, the Cardassian war hero or slobber and drunk, depending on which episode you saw him in. Casey Biggs, Uh, the visual effects coordinator for pretty much everything during the Berman era, except for Deep Space Nine. This guy was Ronald B. Moore, not to be confused with Ronald D. Moore. Honestly, what are the chances? Right. 
Like, seriously. Right? Well, Steve was also the other member of this band. He was there with them. He plays, by the way, because I know you're dying to know what instrument he played, for a blues band, he played the mandolin. That's not very bluesy. (laughs) I always tend to think of the mandolin as a very happy instrument. Yeah. Not a blues one. Like, I mean, maybe bluegrass. Maybe. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. All right, Matt, uh, this next one is kind of uh, we have to, but we've never had really a chance to do this anywhere else because we've skipped over this person's uh, all of all of her episodes. But we have one final main cast member to talk about that we haven't gotten to yet. I'm talking about our comm officer, Ensign Hoshi Sato. Okay. She's the final one. We've talked about everybody else. She she got to play captain. There she did. Yes, she did. Uh, She is played by the absolutely gorgeous, beautiful Linda Park. Linda was born in Seoul, South Korea, which immediately gives her more clout in my book because I used to live there. (laughs) When she was one year old, though, which was actually before I was born because she's a couple years older than I am. She moved with her family to San Jose, California, and uh, was raised there. Throughout her years in grade school, she was an actor, actress. She acted all the way through elementary school, middle school, high school. She actually achieved professional actor status while still in high school, getting her first paying gigs. When she went to college, she went over to the other side of the States, to the University of Boston, where she graduated with a BA in fine arts. And then she hit the audition pavement in the early nine or the, the late nineties, early aughts. She auditioned for several roles. She eventually landed a supporting role on the film Jurassic Park three, that masterpiece. Okay. And for anyone who couldn't see me because this is audio, not video, I was going, no, Unless it is you went not. Unless YouTube and watched us. That's right. Which you all should go do. After Jurassic Park 3, she got a couple of TV guest roles. Actually, I think she got one TV guest role. And then she got a phone call. The phone call actually was from the producers of Star Trek inviting her to audition. So oh. she was invited to come audition, not just... Hey, her agent booked her a spot, you know? Yeah. Um, She came in. Obviously, they were trying to cast an Asian female in this role, and she was up against lots of other Asian females, and they put her into a screen test. They liked her, and they obviously eventually cast her in this role of Hoshi Sato. She plays Hoshi for the entire run. She actually, even like in the middle of the run, like took off for a bit so she could go film a movie, which if you remember the last guy we talked about did that, Colm Meany, Colm Meany, Miles O'Brien, he did that. So she, you know, she did that. Unfortunately, Hoshi, for me, is kind of the forgotten character of, of Star Trek Enterprise. Unfortunately, like, but I, I, I think I told you early on, she, she was one of my favorites. I like her. I like her a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really wanted to see her grow and blossom her. And then, and then Ensign Mayweather, the, those two specifically, I wish we would have gotten more of, but. And I feel they both got a little more screen time in this episode. They did. Yeah, you're, you're right. They did. Um, it, but if you'll remember the whole premise of Enterprise was, it was going back to that triumvirate man trio, mm-hmm. that trip to Paul and Archer. And by the way, trip to Paul and Archer would be the only three characters who were in every single episode. All the other ones sure. had episodes off here and there, uh, but it, it really was more focused on their story. Not so much everybody else's, although Reed certainly got his fair share. Dr. Flox got his fair share. What happened with uh, Mayweather and, and Hoshi? Well, you know, they were there, uh, though they they each did. Uh, to be fair, they each did have their own episodes. We just skipped over them. Yeah. Now, post Trek, she has returned to the theater like so many Star Trek veterans have before her. She's also had a few television and film roles, but she really mostly plays in the theater, which is her first love. She can also frequently be seen out on the convention circuit as well when her schedule permits. 
All right, Matt, time for the big one. Our big bad guy for this episode, John Paxton, is played by the very recognizable and very, very evil Peter Weller. Now, Peter is a name unto his own right well before Star Trek. His most famous role perhaps being the guy who did, don't let me down, Matt. No! RoboCop back in 1987. That was a little before your time, wasn't it? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. That's when I was one year old. <laughs> but you never went back and watched RoboCop? I'm I'm sure I've seen it. Yeah. I, I've seen most of those 80s films, but probably only once. Yeah. And I don't necessarily recall a lot of stuff from it. Might be the only time he's played a good guy. And <laughs> honestly, he was a robot for all of the films. So yeah. anyway, uh, like I said, I think he makes his mark really as a bad guy in just about everything he's in for the most part. I think bad guy just oozes out of this guy. Now, I'm not going to get into everything about Peter Weller. You, ever, you all out there, you can go look him up. But I do want to talk about his Trek cred because he has quite the Star Trek story. Now, Manny Cotto, you've heard me refer to him quite a bunch, the executive producer here on season mm-hmm. four, had worked with Peter on a previous project called Odyssey 5. It was a television show that he produced. Have you ever heard of it? Good. Neither have I. Anyway, Manny had originally wanted Weller to come and be the main antagonist for the Augment trilogy playing an ancestor of Noonien Soong. Okay. Obviously that didn't happen because they so rightly brought in Brent Spiner. Actually, I think Brent Spiner came in and said, this should be me, not somebody <laughs> else. I think is kind of what happened. And they were like, okay, you're right. So Manny wound up actually having to go back to Peter and convince him to come do the show. And Peter like made an exchange because he also was a director and he, he agreed to come do the show because Manny still wanted him on the show for another role, which would ultimately be uh, this one here of John Paxton with the promise that Peter would get Get to direct two episodes from Star Trek season five of Enterprise season five. I, I was going to say, did he promise him futures? He did. <laughs> the day he signed his contract was the day a board was meeting up in CBS studios. Oh, and man. it was the next day that word came out that the show had been canceled. Yikes. Like the very next day. Now, Kodo would go on to work with Weller some more post Trek. There's no word on if Manny ever made good on his promise, even with a different show to Weller. In 2010, though, we're going to skip forward. 2010, Peter Weller guest starred on an episode of Fringe. Did you ever see that show, Matt? I did. Yeah, had the kid from Mighty Ducks in it and the the nasty dude from Lord of the Rings and all that sort of stuff. Anyway. Yeah, it's been a while, but I know yeah. I've seen it. Now, I know what you're thinking. What in the world does Fringe have to do with Star Trek? Well, Fringe was created by J.J. Abrams, Alex Kurtman, and Roberto Orsi, all three of who were now in charge of leading the new theatrical films of Star Trek during those, you know, 2009 to 2016 Mm -hmm. era. Yeah, I could have given you J.J. Abrams, but not the other two. Yeah. Um, By the way, uh, uh, oh, anyway, so that role on Fringe would lead to Weller having a meeting with Abrams, and that meeting would lead and result in him being cast in the 2013 film Star Trek Into Darkness. It's a film we are not going to watch here on Beam Me Up. I will give it to you to go watch on your own. But he was passed. He was cast there playing the role of Admiral Alexander Marcus. Now, Matt, it's Peter Weller. Dude, who's his bad guy playing an admiral in Star Trek? I'll let you do the math. Yep. By the way, that guy, Alex Kurtman, one of the the other guys that created Fringe, Mm -hmm. he is now basically the Rick Berman of Star Trek today. 
okay. he is the guy overseeing all of what we call new Trek. I hate that phrase, but I don't have a better thing to call it. Perhaps one day we'll actually call it the Kurtzman era of Star Trek, whereas we're currently in the Berman era. Anyway, after Star Trek, Weller has mostly been directing and by my reckoning, they still owe him two episodes. All right, Matt, one final one. And our director for our finale episode, I'm sorry, the premiere episode, the first one, Demons, was the one and only LeVar Burton. Now, this would be LeVar's final episode of Trek that he would direct to date. He has not directed any others uh, to this point. And uh, that would be his final contribution uh, to the franchise so far. Yeah. So far, actually not to the franchise, because I do know he's done something else since then. Anyway, that is our character actor spotlight. Will it be our final character actor spotlight? Well, we'll find out in a couple weeks. Matt, it's your turn, pal. Take us through these episodes, Demons and Terra Prime. All right. I've had I've had this note in my notes for a few weeks now, and it keeps popping up. So I, it's about time I ask, I guess. When do they change to start eight? Sometime between Enterprise and the original <laughs> series. What, like... All of the logs are like with mm-hmm. actual dates yep. and actual years. And I'm like, this mm-hmm. feels wrong. Mm-hmm. Give me a star date. <laughs> like, you would you would think that it would become a star date when Starfleet started. Because remember, Starfleet's been uh-huh. around for about 100 years now, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Like so, they're trying to blow up Starfleet. Like, yeah. 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 But yeah, so we're, we're, we jumped. To, I think we jumped a little bit to 2155. Like I, I was trying to go back and into my notes and see if I recorded other years. But mm-hmm. Like it felt like we jumped a little bit, like they made a point, uh, kind of made a point of giving us a date for a reason, I think. I am unaware of where this falls in a timeline regarding the previous couple of episodes. Sure. Sure. I could be wrong on that, but yeah, it just felt like it was later. Uh, This first episode in particular felt a little odd because we were getting a lot of new characters. Mm -hmm. Like sure. We had our crew, but they're back at Starfleet. There's a bunch of other aliens, which Mm -hmm. most of which we never met before. Cause even like the Andorians, it wasn't Tran. Um, We get this minister dude, which I don't think we've met before. Oh, we have not. This is the first time we've seen him. And then we get like Gannett in here, mm-hmm. the the media paparazzi chick that's trying to hit on Travis and and she's a spy, but she's not. Or is she? Mm. We just don't know which side she's a spy for. Like, <laughs> it gets to be a whole mess. Uh, we we get this the Susan lady who who runs in and then dies. We get um, but like just all, all of these people. And, and then, of course, the, the entire group of bad guys out on the moon. Right, right. Like all of these people I've never seen before. And you know, through my run of things, it takes me a while to latch on to people and remember people and figure out who they are and what they're doing. And mm-hmm. and so to throw like at least like a dozen new people at me in this episode, I'm like, shoot, this is a lot to put together. Right. Um, especially trying to figure out who matters and who doesn't. Yeah. And I mean, Matt, I think that goes to what you and I both were saying of this episode doesn't feel like it belongs here. It feels like yeah. it belongs several episodes down the line. By the way, I just I just looked it up just so you know. This episode is set the day after the previous episodes that I gave you last week as extra viewing the inner mirror in a mirror darkly part one and two and those episodes are set about a month after the one right before that which is set about a month after the one right before that which is the last one we watched so we're within a couple of months we just crossed the new year threshold is really what it is but ultimately this set of episodes did you give this set a a title as far as what like you've been naming the trilogies and stuff oh i i just called this the enterprise series finale (laughs) 
Okay. Um, well, th- th- this, this to me, a- as we started figuring out like what the main plot of this episode was going to be and, and what the, the, our new baddies are out to do and what their, their thought process is. Mm-hmm. I decided this is Star Wars doing X-Men. This felt very much to me like, especially when we got to the part with, where um, our bad guy was watching Colonel Green on, on TV and he was given this big speech about we need to be pure. Mm-hmm. We need to, you know, keep our own race. Right. And it, it just felt to me like the Senator and X-Men. It's like, yep, needs to be pure. We need to like, can't intermingle. We got to get rid of the mutants. And that that's the path they're going down here. And it was interesting because <laughs> I'm a fan of X-Men. But from that point on, a lot of this felt like familiar territory in a mm-hmm. sense. Like this is a story I've seen before. Obviously, the characters are different. There weren't actually mutants. I mean, there were Vulcans and mm-hmm. Andorians and stuff that they were talking about. Right. But the main plot points were there. Mm-hmm. I've seen this story before. Uh, you know, honestly, though, it's a story that we need to see again. And we oh, need to see it I, again. I, 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 no, and, no argument there. Cause, yeah. cause, I mean, as you you were talking about at the beginning of this, with this show being evergreen. Yeah. I'm like, part of the reason it's evergreen is because of the material that we're talking about and the material, like it's it, it just, it's always holds true. The messages that they're trying to, to push out there, it always holds true. As sad as that may be. Mm-hmm. Cause even now when we're recording this, we are nearly 20 years past when this first aired. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> and it, it still feels like it, they, they could have been preaching to us today. Yeah, absolutely. Which is sad. Like, it's so sad. But again, it goes back to this is why Star Trek, this is why Star Trek type stuff needs to be on TV. You know, like Mm -hmm. this, this is part of helping to make the world a better place. And frankly, I think Star Trek being off TV for 12 years or 15 years or however long it was didn't help us. You know, it just didn't help us. So yeah. Anyway, go ahead, Matt. It is a story we've seen before. You are right. Yes. I can tell you from the beginning, did not like Gannett, did not trust her. Mm. Too pushy. Sure. Too deceptive. And like, at this point, I like, I don't even care which side she was on. Right. Like she, if she's going to stay in whatever job she's in, she needs to get better at it. Not smooth at all. Mm -hmm. Um, It seemed a little odd to me how informed yet uninformed Mm -hmm. they were about the goings on on the moon. Like they, they all knew there was a mining colony and they Mm -hmm. all knew like it was kind of a terror prime hotspot, but they had no idea that this guy had basically taken over everything there and had turned the mining colony into a ship Mm -hmm. that could go to warp. Like, like how, how does, (laughs) how do you hide that? I mean, how, how do you ignore that? Like it just, I mean, so many questions there. I mean, I will admit it made for a cool sequence to watch him like just pack up that like honestly it reminded me of like a marvin martian cartoon mm. well <laughs> matt i i, I will say this up and takes off with everything yeah i i will say this the uh the idea of a mining colony that can dislodge itself from the planet and move at warp speed and travel and and 
take its place elsewhere. This mm-hmm. is not the last time you're going to see it in Star Trek. Okay. So it it's it's apparently a thing that happens with my like we build mining colonies like out by the moon and then they just fly to wherever they're supposed to go. Apparently is how mining well, yeah, colonies I mean, work. That, that kind of makes a whole, whole lot of sense. Like if you can build it on earth or wherever mm-hmm. you build, you know, ships and stuff, mm-hmm. load in, up the, the people. Yards. Yeah. yeah you, you put them on there, bring them to wherever you're going to mine land, do your thing and then either leave it there or move on to the next one or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that, I mean, it's super convenient. It makes mm-hmm. sense. Just unexpected at, at this point. Right. Right. So I, I, I mean, whether or not that was a new thing or that's how i mean they the way they explained it felt like the people on earth starfleet and such mm-hmm. or at least the crew of the enterprise because i i think like i think it was archer maybe asked like you know what's taking off oh the mining colony is taking off <laughs> like they, they they seem very surprised and shocked that it was the entire thing was leaving not just like oh he built a ship and he's taking off in a little shuttle or something like well yeah we'll chase him down Mm-hmm. No, he's taking the entire mining colony. But this Paxton guy, I mean, I do have to give him some props. Typically, bad guys get shut down real fast because they don't think ahead. They don't plan ahead. Mm-hmm. They just kind of run on a whim and think, yeah, I'm superior. No one's going to stop me. Uh, but in this case, I mean, he had his ship that could do way more than anybody else thought he could. And then he had his message that he was going to put out there, right? And kind of stir things up a bit. And he, it wasn't just, yeah, I'm going to broadcast, but I'm going to stop anybody from cutting me off. Right. Like no one could shut down this message. Like Archer tries to block it. The minister's trying to block it. Like everybody. And they, they even go through like two or three levels. It's like, maybe we could do it this way or maybe we could do it this way. And it's like, nope, that won't work. Nope, that won't work. Mm-hmm. And it's like Paxton actually kind of thought this out. Like he 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 stopped them from stopping him. Mm-hmm. He he had his plans in place. And, and, and so I want to give him credit for that because like I said, you don't always see that in a bad guy, at, at least not like when it's a human term bad we might see that when we are introduced to like a new alien species that is supposed to be superior to us like the borg come and like yeah they're one step ahead of us the whole way okay but i feel that's rare when it's like a member of your own species it's like you know that they're not any smarter than we are they couldn't have planned ahead we'll, we'll stop them but they kind of failed right they and, and i will give it to the writers here too like they they played this off well because they shut down the you know his his final plan the the, the laser that he was shooting mm-hmm. like they turned it off he turned it back on and he's like yeah sorry it's locked in i can't do anything about it and it actually fires and i'm sitting there thinking like okay how are they going to get out of this one like what could they have done and it didn't for whatever reason it did not occur to me that oh they just aim at the wrong target okay <laughs> thank you trip mm-hmm. for, like i mean we, we saw trip messing around with a bunch of stuff but then he he theoretically got found out and and they stopped him and they foiled his plans to sabotage but apparently he had, he had still done enough or he had did something later i don't know but it, it it was more intriguing than i thought it would be because they actually took it to the point of firing the weapon which i didn't think they would ever get to that point you mentioned hoshi earlier mm-hmm. and i want to bring her up again the fact that hoshi was left in charge of enterprise think about that mm-hmm. how many people have to leave for hoshi to be put in charge of enterprise well let's do the math on that matt <laughs> archer 
Yep. To Paul. Yeah. And then Trip. Mm-hmm. And then Reed. Yep. Should be gone. And then anyone else who is a lieutenant. <laughs> Because Oshi is just an ensign. It's like yep. leaving Harry in charge. Now That's she is bridge like, crew. She is bridge yeah. crew, but still she, she's bridge crew. I mean, I, I think Travis was gone. I don't know if he would have outranked her at all. Um, Flox was gone, which mm-hmm. you know, like you said, in, in a pinch, they can always be above the captain. Even they could, but they're but like Flox was never a com- a commander. Sure. Like Flox was a civilian and didn't actually was not actually enlisted in Starfleet. Like when you look at Beverly crusher specifically who did command yeah she was also a lieutenant commander or a commander like which means along with being a doctor she would have had to go through command training yeah to be able to do that as well there's actually a set of episodes that i'm pretty sure we skipped going through next generation when deanna decided she wanted to attain commander status and i want to say it was it was a two or three episode deal it was usually like a b-plot arc Mm-hmm. that went through and it was like Riker was putting her through the paces of, you know, like the hard stuff too, you know, of what it meant to be a, to be a commander. So, so yeah, I, I don't know that Flox would have gotten it. Like, I don't know if he technically would have, but they covered their bases and even took him off the ship. Yeah. Right. Like they removed everybody. Like, I think they got to the point, like Hoshi would have been DVD cover. Uh huh. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I think she may have been the only remaining person from the DVD cover left on Enterprise. Yep. And therefore she needs to be in charge. Mm-hmm. Like, it just seems so ridiculous. I'm like, okay, you're going down to rescue two of your officers, mm-hmm. you know, Trip and Paul. Like, that's what you're going to do. You shouldn't remove all the other important people to do that. <laughs> Come on. I mean, there's the new chief engineer, right? Like he was there. Huh? Kelby. Kelby. Yeah, he was there. Surely he outranks. Surely he outranks her. You would think so, but I, I, I I don't, I don't trust that guy as far as I can. I don't, I don't know why Kelby does not seem to, there's nothing about him. Even that one scene where he's like sort of starts telling people what to do. Nothing about him says chief engineer. No, he just does not have it. Um, I'm just reminded really of what happened when Harry Kim first just, you know, he found out that whoever is in the chair kind of honorifically gets named captain, even if that's not their rank. Do you remember? And, and Harry's like, Whoa. So does that mean if, you know, if I happen to be the person who sits in that chair, cause everybody else is gone, that people will call me captain. And it was either Tuvok or it was Tom. I want to say it was Tom, but it might've been Tuvok who said, who said ensign by the time you're the one who's left to be in charge, there'll be nobody left to call you captain. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Kind of what's happening here. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But in any case, Hoshi's in charge. And I think we, 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 who, who was it? We we just talked about a few weeks ago was, Oh, it's trip. It was trip when he was in charge, when he yeah. was temporary captain, essentially right. like I thought he did a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. I think Hoshi does as well. It, it, it's, it's a little bit different situation, but she takes command and she does what needs to be done and doesn't, you know, succumb to the pressure of the minister. She doesn't, you know, she runs her shit. Mm-hmm. And I think the only reason we don't see her like asking for more opinions or something, or, you know, should I do this or what should I like? It's because there's no one else to ask. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, they would have had to pay someone. Um, so we, we, we just see her running the ship the way she wants to run the ship mm-hmm. and she gets the job done. So I, I like that. We got to see a little bit more of her. Mm-hmm. She got a little more screen time. We got to see some of her personality that, 
I don't know if we've seen in episodes that we skipped, but it's the most I've seen of her, I think. So that was definitely appreciated. Here's the Hoshi. I think the other major plot line running through here is the baby. Yeah. And there's a big part of me that just kind of groaned when they told me it was tripping to Paul. Mm. Like, really? You you had access to the samples of everybody on Enterprise, or so you told me, and you Mm. had to pick tripping to Paul. Really? Really? You know how much I love that relationship. Mm-hmm. And so we, we just kind of got dragged along for a little bit more of that. I mean, I think the issues surrounding the fact that it was Vulcan human hybrid type of mm-hmm. thing were a lot more important and interesting than the fact that I had to deal with more Trip and Paul drama. And once again, parts of this kind of felt rushed. Yes. Like it all, it almost felt like some of this was a storyline that they wanted to insert at some point, mm-hmm. you know, in their relationship. Like, can we have kids or maybe they do have a kid and then what so does something happen to it? Like they, they start mm-hmm. exploring little parts of this here with a, a different reason, obviously, for it. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you, Matt, I am completely on the opposite side from you, though, when it comes to Tripp and Paul. Yeah, I love them together as a couple and I want mm-hmm. them together as a couple. And I really wish that had this show gone on that they could have come together. Like, I'm okay that it didn't work out for them the way it worked out for Worf and Jadzia or for Tom and Bellana. Like, it doesn't have to be that easy or that smooth. In fact, it shouldn't be given, especially the interspecies nature of this particular uh, relationship. Mm-hmm. But like, I like Trip leaving the ship because of issues with T'Pol and T'Pol becoming, frankly, more human the longer she's on enterprise, you yeah. know, and, and opening herself up to that, because what do we eventually know? Spock is a human Vulcan hybrid. Yeah. Like I, we I need mean, them to get together to get us to Spock at some point. That, exactly. And, and that's, you know, was the last two minutes of the episode again, when at first they like, yeah, Vulcan human doesn't work. I'm like, yes, it does. What are you trying to rewrite here? Like, mm-hmm. and then they finally get into it. Oh, they just messed up. It could act like mm-hmm. I possibly my biggest gripe of this episode yeah is going into this thinking oh this is the end of this season end of the series and our final line is and that's sort of comforting <laughs> that that was legitimately the last line that we get from trip it's like yeah. it, it you know we could still possibly have a kid and that's sort of comforting yeah that was a that was a heavy yeah. moment that was a heavy moment um just so you know that particular moment uh where trip yeah. comes in and he's all like emotional apparently that was him in real life like that wasn't just a big acting thing like that was it was a very emotional piece for him and the reason is is because in real life his wife had just told him that she was pregnant with their first child and so to go through this process of like it hit him like the idea of what would it be to lose this baby mm-hmm. you know like what what if the baby was born and he only had you know a couple days with it or a couple months with it and and the the, the child would die like he like it hit him and then that hit uh jolene uh, to paul yeah. <laughs> and it hit like it, it sort of went out from there so that's apparently where a lot of that came from but you're right it, it was if that's where the show would have ended altogether um yeah there would have there would have been issues with that but yeah apparently it's not there is one more episode are we watching that episode we are okay we are we have to yeah because i can't leave it here and have and have you literally (laughs) miss the final episode and be like what the heck was that all about we'll we'll talk we'll talk about why and what it is and how that worked so with it though, Matt, I mean, in end of the day, they uh-huh. rescue Trip into Paul. The baby unfortunately dies. They stop yep. the bad guys. They they keep the 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 
federation conference going and yep. archer goes in and says his, his the big line the final frontier begins and it's all echoey and everything mm-hmm. and we all mm-hmm. feel good and we go there it is speaking of there it is yeah catch 47 no where is it uh the the baby was being kept in room 03-47 nice nice it is on the wall there when they step out of the room nice i really love the fact like i didn't know it until we started doing this podcast like the, this particular run i never realized how little enterprise used 47 yeah until manny Cotto came in <laughs> and he like just he just stuffs it in service. everywhere and service boom right. boom boom Right. And I'm like, that's why he needed to be in charge of the show the entire time. Yeah. It's little stuff like that. Like mm-hmm, he knew mm-hmm. how to run Manny Cotto. Like this could have been a great, great series finale if they'd had really a chance to to lead up to. I think it was fine. I think it, it did what he needed it to do, given the circumstances. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think even if like Manny would have known going mm-hmm. into season four, like, OK, this is it. We're calling it quits early. Mm-hmm. We're giving you this season because you're under contract, but you just have this one season close out the show yeah like it could have been so much better yeah like we still would have gotten all a a lot of these things that we've been getting or at Mm -hmm. least the 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 prequel nature of them Mm -hmm. but it would have given him enough time to close out the show properly instead of like said like half a dozen episodes sure i guess the last thing i'll bring up is one of those pseudo star trek messagey type of moments okay um i don't know that it was actually intended this way but it just felt this way to me mm-hmm. but when archer and paxton were left in the room fighting and the window was cracked mm-hmm. and they're just kind of arguing for a little while before it actually shatters and stuff archer says like the galaxy is a lot more crowded than we thought paxton comes back well that's not our problem but then archer steps up again and says it's an opportunity and it's all about framing mm-hmm. right paxton's sitting there thinking about me 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 how is this going to affect me and it's like well yeah i don't care if there's other people out there that like let them do their thing i'm here doing mine leave us alone and archer's like no it's an opportunity mm-hmm. what are you going to do about it and obviously paxton has chosen his side but this kind of puts us back in that there's a reason archer is the captain of enterprise you know, I've I've really enjoyed Captain Archer season four way more than I enjoyed have ever enjoyed Archer seasons one, two and three. And, I, I you know, it's no secret. It, it, I it, it, It's it's definitely improved. I, I will give you that. I, my, my biggest gripe is still whenever he gets to a big emotional moment, mm-hmm. it feels like he's forcing it and uh, yeah. overacting. Yeah, absolutely. And it gets rough. But yeah, yes, in general. Yes. Season four has been better. Yeah. I, I mean, I, yeah, I think Scott back certainly is the uh the weak link actor wise here in, in in the cast which is weird because he's the guy with all the clout but anyway all right matt anything else about this set of episodes the series finale of enterprise i think that's about all i got yeah yeah this i mean obviously the message that this leaves us on i i love that they i love that they drilled down and gave us a star trek episode mm-hmm. um as much as i've enjoyed season four and i've enjoyed the action packed and i've enjoyed the fan service and i've enjoyed all of that 
Star Trek is Star Trek when it's holding up a mirror to society, when it's telling us yeah. how to be better, right? And this whole idea of earth first, and we can't be mixed in with other people. And we have to, it's bigotry, Matt. It, it's bigotry on a, on a global scale. And this idea of us first, us first, us first, before we worry about anyone else. Yep. And not even, and, and the thing is, is even when you say before we worry about anyone else, that means because we're not going to worry about anyone else. It's, we're going to circle this in and just be about us. And that is not okay. That is not how we build a better tomorrow. That's not how we unite as humanity. That's not how we realize our potential as humanity. And Star Trek explores that, which is the most fundamental of all Star Trek messages. Do you remember the very first one that we had here, Matt? No. Yeah. If you go all the way back to episode one, we watched an episode called the Corbamite Maneuver and, okay. and, and not Picard. Sorry. There, the, the ship is being, they've just been blasted by this other alien shooting at him, shooting at him, shooting at him. And then three quarters of the way through the episode, that other ship gets disabled and is about to blow up. And the crew wants to like hightail it out of there and just let them be. And Kirk's like, no, we need to offer them assistance because that's who we are. And he said, he says this phrase. I love it. He says, it's time to see if we really hold to our high sounding words. Yeah. Do we really hold to that? I love that that enterprise ends on this note. Um, we'll talk about next week, next week uh, and what happens there. But as far as the series finale of Star Trek Enterprise ending on that kind of a note, I'm OK to trade action, 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 pew, 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 some of it to get more of this. You know, yeah, I, I'm I'm OK with that exchange. All right, Matt, uh, with that, I will ask you, did you like this episode? Would you want to watch it again? And do you understand why it was part of our run? It was OK. I mean, I, it, yep. like I said, it slowed down a bit, a lot more drama than action. Um, maybe a little too much trip into Paul for me, but uh yeah i'm not watching it right away again by any means but why it's part of yeah i mean this is the closest we've gotten to the federation yet so yeah that's what we were aiming for there you go i i would agree it is not my favorite of the season finales or series finales that we've had out there but uh, you know given what they but had to work with actually the finale well matt let's talk about it would you like to know what we're watching next week that would be useful all right well matt we've made it it is time to watch the series finale of star trek enterprise not the fake one <laughs> well is it the fake one because you're sitting here wait saying wait this was the series finale well you told me i will tell you matt it really depends on who you talk to <laughs> you see when enterprise got canceled there were these two guys out there, one guy in particular, who had had something to do with the show. You might even say they created the show. And since the show was going away, they wanted to have a hand in how it would end. So Rick Berman and Brandon Braga sort of muscled their way back in to take over the final show. Now, Manny had been doing fine all season long without them. Mm -hmm. And they came back in and they they got uh, they got to write the, fi the finale episode. Now, Berman especially understood that this wasn't just the end of Enterprise. But this was the end of the Berman era. There was no new Star Trek after this. Yeah, this was going to be it. And I mean, even Berman had said he felt like they really should have ended after Voyager and given Star Trek a little bit of a break, a little bit of a breather. Um, but they didn't. And this was the end of an era. And so when he sat down to write this episode, he would call it a love letter to the fans. So it really wasn't a finale of Enterprise 
as much as it was a finale of the Berman era, if that makes sure. sense. As such, it, it, like I said, it actually doesn't have that much to do with Enterprise. And we'll talk about how the cast felt about that and how lots of people felt about that and how the fandom feels about that. And I'll let you make your own decisions on on how you how you think it. Even Manny Cotto says that what we just watched was the actual series finale of Enterprise and that mm. what we get next week um, is just sort of Berman's own thing. Like it's a little addendum to it. And, you know, I asked lots of people, should we watch them both? Should we just skip one? How do we do this? And, and what I got from people was actually doing what we're doing. We'll watch the series finale of Enterprise and then we'll go watch the other finale. <laughs> Okay. And just let you know what's going on. So the name of that one is called These Are the Voyages. By the way, if you want even a little bit more confusion, you know how usually if you get a you get a big season finale that uh the the two parter like it's aired together like as one film, like as a movie, like as a major mm-hmm. two-parter because it's ending. Next generation yeah. did it, Deep Space Nine did it, Voyager did it, lots of shows do it. Well, these are the voyages as a single episode, by the way, it's only a 45 minute episode. Okay. All right. So it's not a double. Welcome back to not a double episode, Matt. <laughs> um, but when they aired this, so they aired demons on one week and the following week they aired the second part, Terra prime as a conclusion. Right. Yeah. And then right after Terra prime, they aired. These are the voyages that, and you'll see these are the weird. voyages has nothing to do yeah. with what we just came through here. Like, you know, Manny like, left I, us I on that. That's going to help paint people's yeah. uh, impression of, of this next episode. Mm-hmm. When, when, if they, especially if they watched it live and it's like, wait, what, huh? This, huh? this is not connected. Why? Exactly. Exactly. So anyway, I will, I will leave it up to you to decide next week how you feel about the way they handled the end of this. I do personally understand the idea. Like there's a, there's, there's a little bit of a difference between ending enterprise and ending this entire Berman era, this love letter to the fans. You know, the last people that I've heard wrote a love letter to the fans were the Russo brothers who ended the, the, the Avengers infinity gauntlet saga thing with Endgame. They called that a love letter to the fans. Sure. We'll see. Matt, would you like some extra viewings? Too bad. We don't have any. (laughs) I knew that one that time. Well, Matt, that's going to do it for us this week on Beam Me Up, a Star Trek podcast. We'll have two episodes left. Oh, no. Oh, folks, if you'd like to get in touch with us and try to beg, plead with Matt to continue the show, you can do that by emailing him to Matt at beammeuppod.com or beammeuppod at gmail.com. We'll get you beammeuppod.com for other ways to contact us. Matt, where can the folks get in touch with you directly to say do more? You can find me both on Instagram and Twitter at as a matter of Matt. And I'm at Brent Allen live across all the social medias. I'd love to connect with you there as well, too. Till next time, folks live long and prosper. Prosper.